0: Pastor Ray Bentley begins today with a word about our purpose
1: in life. We are here to share grace with all. And the beauty of the Lord is that He ignores national differences. God wants to raise us all up and treat us all as royal sons and daughters. Because the true test of our belief in grace is how we really treat people. Loving them, befriending them, being a witness of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ.
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It seems nearly every business has a membership club, you know, VIP benefits, some kind of elite status. What would God think about employing that kind of approach in the church? Today, we'll see he says that's actually sin. Pastor Ray shows us God's plan is
1: equality, not partiality. The title of the message is The Overflow of Grace and we're going to talk about how we treat people that God brings into our lives and it should be with grace because uh, we have been saved by grace. What's interesting is oftentimes we take all the grace that we need but then we treat other people on kind of a well you do this for me and I do this for you and we barter with relationships sometimes and that's not right. We need to treat others the way our Father in heaven has treated us, with pure grace. Now, chapter two, beginning in verse one, he says, "'My brethren, do not hold the faith "'of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, "'with partiality.'" I love this, he goes, my brothers, my sisters, and he's kind of, he's calling it, come on, guys, brothers, sisters. Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is James, you remember, the half-brother of Jesus, who all of Jesus growing up, and let alone even during his three and a half years of ministry, James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, until after the resurrection. And there Jesus appeared, the Bible tells us, to James. It was like a one-on-one, brother to brother, and that revelation that Jesus was alive, that he was risen, that he was resurrected, and that he was, in fact, Messiah and Lord. So now here is James saying, my brothers, do not hold the faith of our Lord. The first thing that he calls now, in other words, the relationship has changed between James and Jesus. James, the non-believer, now says he is Lord. He is not only the Lord, he is my Lord, he is our Lord. And he is the Lord Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. Or Yehoshua, Joshua. Which means God is our salvation. And then he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ is obviously the Greek for the Hebrew Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. I love the fact... That James, uh, I I just love the Bible. I love the way the Bible tells the the story of what happened. And and I have to be honest, I I love that it tells us that James didn't believe. It's not like, you know, man-made stories and where everything is just kind of perfect and There's a kind of a new age uh, thing, a world that is, it's phony. You know, everything is cloudy and puffy and everything's harmony and wonderful and and, and everybody is perfect. But the Bible is full of humanity. It's full of human beings that question, that challenge, that get angry, that sin, that are broken. And even like James, are non-believing. And then James sees his Messiah, his Lord Jesus Christ. And then he he goes on. I mean, it's enough that he now admits and and confesses in his letter, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to add to that, he is the Lord of glory. Jesus was in his glory. He was in his new, glorified, resurrection place. And James saw it. And he was never the same again. Now he goes on to verse 2, he says, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings... In fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes. And you say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool, kind of treating him like you know your servant. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James says that's evil. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, not many of you are mighty or powerful or this and that. And so he's saying, look, God has blessed them and and God loves them. Heaven's going to be filled with with poor people. Now there are some that are blessed and prosperous and rich and and there's nothing wrong with that. What he is going after is our human tendency to show partiality to those who have money or means or wealth and then to kind of shun those who do not. And that's not something that God wants to tolerate. So after telling us this great spiritual truth of growth and discipleship, that don't just hear the word, but if you're really on your way to heaven, then do it. The first application of what we need to do is not show preferential treatment to some people because they are wealthy or have advantage or they have something to offer us, and then avoid people that they've, they have nothing to give to us and the poor people. So I put here in your notes, the way we treat other people reveals what we really believe about God. In other words, you cannot separate human relationships from divine relationships. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 is in your notes. Let's read that scripture out loud together. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. The way our human relationships are, the way we treat people is a reflection of our relationship with God. And that's what James is now saying. So he goes, it's important that we honor our human relationships, that we love people and that we remain open hearted and loving to all. If they are a Christian, we love them because Christ is in them. If they're not a Christian, we still love them because Christ died for them, amen? So. Jesus is not impressed with human status symbols. In Matthew 22, 16, teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. These are those who were challenging Jesus And one of the things that you might say his opponents or his enemies noticed was, you're not impressed by us. You're not impressed with power. You're not impressed with wealth or with money. You pay no attention to those outward things because Jesus sees people not only for who they are, but he sees them for who they will become. And so, you know, here's an interesting thing. Sometimes you know we think, wow, the Lord looks at me and, and so here I am and here's my weaknesses, and my flaws and if you're in the word and trying to grow, I have all these struggles that are going on and, and so we look up and through our own eyes, we're imagining how the Lord looks at us. This, he looks at me like right where I'm at. What you need to know and understand is that's not entirely true. Though he does see you in, and knows you intimately, He does not only see you as you are, but the Lord sees you and me as we will be. He sees the end, he sees the finished product and brings that into the present. And therefore, when he's, it's like when he came up to Peter and I I would love to have known the reaction of the other disciples, Jesus comes up to Simon Peter and he goes, Peter, you are a rock. Some of the other guys might have gone, yeah, really? (laughs) Apparently he doesn't know Peter very well. Instead of a rock, you know, our modern idea would be more like a roller coaster. You know, he's up, he's down, but rock? Stable, strong, someone you can count on that will be there, Peter, yes. Jesus saw the potential of Peter. And doesn't it bless you to know that when the Lord looks at you and when the Lord looks at me, he sees our full and realized potential of what we will be. Does that comfort anybody out there? It sure does bless me. So we make the mistake of judging people based upon their past while Christ judges us based upon our future. I just love that. So, you know, sometimes we talk about, well, you know, they're not our people. They're not our kind of people. Well, what does that mean? For a Christian, if they're people, they're your people. And you should love them and reach out to them, and we all should. You know, generations ago in England, Wesley started preaching with passion, and he, wanted, he started bringing in a lot of sinners uh, into the church and, they, and, and poor people in particular and they said they didn't want him and they finally stopped inviting him to church and they, they said we don't really want you we want nice sermons you know so he we went out into the fields and then tens of thousands of people started coming and then you know a movement began it was called the Methodist you know movement and years later then the Methodist church you know was in England and they kind of had their preferential treatment. Things had gotten a little calcified, and so this young guy named William Booth brought in a bunch of little street urchins who were poor and, and smelled bad, and, and he waited until the service started, and then they were singing, and so he acted like an usher. He wasn't an usher, but he acted like an usher, and he brought all the little poor kids and put them up in the best seats up in the front, of the, in the front row with their little, you know, smudgy faces, and then they, got, they said, you can't do that. You can't bring those kids and their distraction and their this and that. And so, you know, get rid of... So they kicked him out. And then he started the Salvation Army. That was William Booth. So the church can't do that. Neither can we. We have to remain open-minded. We have to remain open-hearted to what God is wanting to do. And that's apparently what was happening, that James, for some reason, it bugged him that you guys in this early church, even though it was a house church movement, are starting to give preferential treatment to you know, the, the, the well-knowns. And you're putting in the back and treating like less than those who don't have any means. And he goes, look, God loves everybody equally, number one. But he, he, he definitely loves the poor and he's brought many of them into his kingdom. So he's wanting us to live in that way.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. In the past few months at Maranatha Radio, so many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them.
1: Bless you, Pastor Ray. You ignited my soul in ways I could not have imagined and blessed me with a deepened love for the Bible. You made
0: Scripture come to life. Bless your family. Dear Lord, bring His family, especially His wife, Vicki, peace. Praise God, Ray is home. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: Look with me in verses 6 through 9. For our last point, he says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So he's saying don't show partiality, treat them equally and lovingly. And here's probably the thing that um, made it maybe more personal to James. He knew what happened to his brother and how his brother was treated. Because they did not accept his brother, why? Why was Jesus not accepted as the Messiah 2,000 years ago by the Jews? Why? Well here are some reasons that we know from the Gospels. Number one, He was from the wrong city. He's from Nazareth. So they would say, Nazareth? I mean, it's one thing, maybe you're a prophet or you've done some miracles. I mean, we're even still kind of debating that. But now you're claiming the Messiah? Nazareth? The reputation of Nazareth was, does anything good come from Nazareth? You remember that quote, right? And yet here's the irony of that. Nazareth in Hebrew means, is is translated netzer, which in Hebrew means branch. Well, if you've read the book of Isaiah or you've read the book of Jeremiah, that should ring some bells because one of the prophetic names of the Hebrew prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah was the Messiah will be the branch. He'll be the netzer. He'll be the Nazarene. Yes, the Messiah should come from Nazareth. Though Nazareth, you know, it wasn't Jerusalem, the holy city where all the religious people are. God, listen, specifically chose his son, the Messiah, to be raised in a city of no reputation. So that the world would know he came from the lowest to reach all. And, and then economically, where was he? He, had, he was poor. He had nothing. He didn't own anything. When he went into the ministry, he did not own anything other than the clothing on his, on his body. That's all he had. His followers. You're the Messiah. What are you doing? Who are your followers? You fishermen and publicans and tax collectors. And, you know, they were not impressed. And we did not approve you. So how could you be anything? And how could you even claim to be the Messiah? Now, here's Jesus. He he didn't have the right city. He didn't have the right background. He he wasn't approved by them. He had no wealth. He was not a graduate of their accepted schools. Uh, He had no approval of those in power, but he had the favor of God upon his life. There is no Jew that has ever had the impact upon the world as Jesus of Nazareth, more than them all. And then you go outside the Jewish world into the Gentile world, there's nobody, nobody, no other leader, nobody compares with Jesus. And he is, because of that, controversial to this day, because of what he said. He said, I am who I claim to be and I have the power I claim to have, and I'll prove it when I die on the cross for the sins of the world, and on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead." And he did. And you either believe or you don't, and thank God we are here because we do believe. John 7, 24, Jesus said, "'Do not judge according to the appearance, but judge with righteous judgment.'" We are here to share grace with all and the beauty of the lord is that he ignores he ignores national differences we still have our own weird prejudice pride and groups and you know what we're comfortable with but the whole story of peter who went to the house of cornelius shocked the early disciples because the Lord revealed it to Peter. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and he said the experience that God gave to him and the sheet coming down and and all the things inside of it. He said, in truth, I perceive. Here's what Peter said in Acts. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name whoever believes in him will have remission of sins. Peter even thought in the beginning, okay, it's Jews and it's only Jews and then you have to be a Jew to get saved. And God said, no. I told you in the beginning through you, yes, the Jews, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Acts 15. Leave them alone, and they wrote a letter that's very famous to the Jerusalem Council, because God loves the world. He doesn't have the barriers, and he doesn't have the boundaries, and he loves them all, and that's what impacted me, and it had so touched me about, for me being this guy raised in America, first of all, and raised in Southern California, and then raised in beautiful San Diego, and then to be called of God to be a pastor, and then end up going halfway around the world. The next thing I know, I'm in the middle of Sudan. I'm, I'm right next to the area called Darfur, where all the people have died. I'm in the Nuba Mountains. I'm walking where people live in mud houses with grass roofs that have nothing. Walking through there. And I, and I walk 25 minutes from our compound to where we're going to teach and these little kids come running out with, with, you know, rags, essentially, and they speak English. It's so funny. They're teaching English in the Nuba Mountains in Sudan. Little kids coming up. How are you? Are you fine? I am fine. We are fine. They're practicing English on, you know, how many guys from San Diego do they see? <laughs> so we're going back and forth, and they're like, it's like a Pied Piper, and they're following you. And I saw God move and work there because God loves them. And you know the other thing I wanna add about those kids? They were happy. And they, have, they don't have anything. They're poor, but they're happy. They don't have any Toys or Us. They're running around playing with sticks. They're happy as little clams. God ignores national difference. God also ignores social difference. In the church, a master can be there 2,000 years ago and a slave. The rich and the poor are alike to him. I love this, 1 Samuel 2, 7 and 8. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of God of glory. Isn't that a great scripture? God wants to raise us all up and treat us all as royal sons and daughters because the true test of our belief in grace is how we really treat people and loving them and sharing the gospel with them, befriending them, being a witness of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? God brings people into our lives to give us the opportunity to bless them and to love them or to pray for them. and look. There are some that are going to be harder to love than others. And I am not saying that God has called you to fix everybody that, you know, comes in your life or across your path. You can't. Or if there's one thing you learn, only God can fix people. And thank God He does. But we can pray for them. We can point them in the right direction. We can speak words of Christ and of His presence and of His power. And we can treat them as family and and hope for the best in them and that they will respond to his love and grace. And maybe we don't uh, you know, bring them all the way, but maybe we move them and because of your love and your smile and your graciousness and your patience and your Christ-likeness, they're getting vulnerable because the Holy Spirit is watering the seeds that are being planted and set upon their hearts. And one day it could ignite and take root. It's happened to all of us. Father, we just thank you for this word from James. May we take it to heart. And Lord, may we not show pride or prejudice or partiality. Lord, may we live and love as you do. And by your spirit and by your grace and with your help, may it bring true, genuine, Holy Spirit on fire, revival in our midst. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley. Closing today's study in the book of James with an important word of prayer. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, The Overflow of Grace. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. And also click the word MEDIA, and you'll see the words WATCH, RADIO, and DEVO. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights, via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books there as well. His final book is The Days of Noah, a Prophetic Fiction Novel part of the Elijah Chronicle series. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.